Hey, Barstool listeners, you can find every episode of this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Oh, should we start this show? Yeah, I'm down. Just buying a car in Carvana first. Ooh, for real? Yeah, it's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do was answer a few questions. Ooh, that's helpful. And now just customizing my down and monthly payments. Ooh, that's a very fair deal. Yep. Boom. Just bought a car. And you get to take me to the Carvana vending machine in a couple days to pick it up. Ooh. I'm kind of busy. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. On today's episode of the Mark Titus Show, the ESPN algorithm has been updated, and the Miami Heat now have a 4% chance, up from 3%, to beat the Boston Celtics and advance to the NBA Finals. Uh, the Heat go into Boston in Game 1. A shocking, shocking turn of events, TJ. Jason Tatum kind of disappeared down the stretch. That doesn't seem like him at all. Um, I was called crazy for saying this is what Jason Tatum does. Uh, I I also expect game two, he's probably going to score a thousand points and he's going to look like the best player that anybody has ever seen play basketball. And then everyone's going to pretend like he's he's back and like all of his his demons have been exercised and and I don't know this is this is a story I've seen a thousand times uh, along with it the Boston Celtics are pro- probably still going to win this series um, but yeah tonight was uh, surprising in some regards and that the Heat won a team that like everybody keeps counting out and the Heat the Heat will be hosting hoisting the Larry O'Brien and everyone will still be trying to figure out like if they're good enough to win the title and <laughs> they're literally parading through the streets of Miami <laughs> and we're like yeah but yeah okay so sure they they won the title but can they win the title could they beat the 2015 Kentucky Wildcats though that's the real question let's let's talk that out uh huge win for Miami Jimmy Butler was awesome got a uh Jimmy freaking Butler out of Kevin Harlan late in the game when that three popped up and then fell in that was that was exciting you can you can measure how well a player is playing based on how much Kevin Harlan is foaming at the mouth <laughs> on the call uh Jimmy was was the best player on the floor which is what we expected which is why when you brought up the, the heat having a three percent chance to win this series I said that is absolutely asinine in a in a uh, basketball league where historically like having the best player on the floor is kind of all you've needed now now modern NBA that's not how it works anymore but like when you look back on it you're like yeah the best player seems to always carry his team to I don't know anyway uh, he'd, he'd go up 1-0 meanwhile in Denver the uh, Nuggets take game one versus the Lakers but at what cost because the Nuggets in the first half Looked absolutely dominant. Uh, the Lakers had a great fourth quarter, made it close in the end, left a lot of people saying uh, uh, maybe the Lakers have figured some things out. Maybe, you know, sh- sure, the Nuggets got game one, but uh, the, the Lakers have, have – have, they just ran out of time in game one, and now moving on to game two and beyond are the Lakers' adjustments. Are we going to see the Lakers make the adjustments? Is Rui Hachimura going to guard Jokic? Is uh, LeBron going to get in these – ISO situations with Jamal Murray guarding him. Um, and now is it, is it Lakers in five is what people are saying. I don't know if people are actually saying that, but that seems to be uh, the fact that's the fascinating thing coming out of the game one in Denver was that Denver looks so freaking good. And yet the Lakers made it close in the end. And yet I think there's still room for improvement from both teams. The series is going to be awesome. It's going to ultimately, hopefully fingers crossed be the series. We were hoping the uh, Warriors Lakers was supposed to be. Meanwhile, as first reported on the Mark Titus show, the NBA lottery is in fact rigged. Uh, the Indiana Pacers did not get the number one overall pick. The 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 Duke basketball Illuminati made sure that the Orlando Magic did not get the over, number one overall pick, so as to see uh, Paolo Banquero be overshadowed by Victor Wembanyama. And then TJ, I, correct me if I'm wrong. 
You called this. You called the Spurs getting the, uh, yeah, this is big for you. Hang a banner in your room. Put it, put it up on the, change your Twitter bio. I called this. I called the, <laughs> I called that the Spurs would, uh, uh, the, the, the San Antonio Spurs have officially won the uh, Victor Wimbenyama sweepstakes. And uh, maybe we'll talk about that a little bit. Some of the, uh, it's bothering me. This another sign I'm getting old. This is what this podcast is ultimately going to turn into is just me just uh, here, here are some signs that I'm getting old. Um, one of them, pet peeve. It's a me problem, I know. But the presumptive nature of Victor Wimbenyama going number one, which I know it is 100% that he's going number one, but still, like to see articles published on NBA.com that say, like, the Spurs win the lottery and get Victor Wimbenyama when the draft hasn't even happened yet. For some reason, that really bothers me. <laughs> I just want to, like, pretend like we don't know who, you know. I want to have some sort of discussion. Shout out to Scoot Henderson for doing his damnedest, like, putting out quotes that he's like, I think I can go number one. I appreciate it, Scoot. That's what we need right now. We need some more discourse around this because uh, having, having a, a draft where it's like, yeah, no shit, this is the most obvious number one of all time kind of takes it, – it's fun. But now it feels like the draft's almost over. It feels like the lottery was the draft, you know. But anyway, we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, a lot of fun going on in, in the world of basketball. We'll do our best to touch on all of it. Coming up, let's get into it. All right, let's start with the uh, the game we just got done watching, the Celtics. Um, I'm going to be completely honest. The Celtics, the, the Celtics losing to the Heat. I, uh, I was watching on YouTube TV. I have YouTube TV. This was, this was a problem throughout the country, thankfully. Yeah, I was about I, to I, say thoughts and prayers to you then. Oh my God. So I, I finally figured it out and I got to watch the fourth quarter, but at halftime, it was a little glitchy in the first half, but I was just powering through and then it would catch up and I was like, all right, nothing, you know, I, I missed like one or two possessions here or there. And then I just, you know, it wasn't the end of the world. And I thought it was my internet, so I didn't want to get too mad. I was like, it, it must be something I did wrong. Um, and then the third quarter comes around and the, I, I couldn't watch a damn thing and I, I missed the entire third quarter but then I'm also thinking to myself I'm sure the Celtics have you know just blown this wide open so who really cares uh at long last I I get the genius idea or I I, I, I take that back I read about the genius idea as I'm figuring out how the hell to solve this um to go to the TNT website and then log in through that using your YouTube credentials, whatever, because that that was seem seemingly working fine. So I do that. The, the stream kicks up and and I look up and and the Heat are up by twelve. So I I forty eight forty six point third quarter is that what it was forty six point third quarter from a team that. Um, I vividly remember watching play the Atlanta Hawks on their home court in a playing game, and I thought this was the most disgusting NBA offense I've ever seen from a so-called playoff team, <laughs> from what the Heat were were, uh, were showing on that night. And then they're dropping 46 points in Boston against a team that should be the best team defensively in the NBA. If they're not, I don't know. I haven't I haven't updated my advanced metrics. I, I, I need to see what my algorithm's saying. But the, the Celtics are an awesome defensive team, and the Heat should not be that great offensively. And they're dropping that many points in the third quarter. Um, it ended up being like a closer game down the stretch, but uh, I, I I think the Heat have now arrived at a point where it's like like this is why we were talking about how absurd it is that, that it was they, had, they were given a 3% chance. Jimmy Butler is definitively the best player in this series. Um, I, 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 he, he, I, I, don't, I don't know... I'm not even trying to troll Boston people. Like he, like I, I, you see it with your own two eyes. Every every single time you have like 
<laughs> you you have the data right in front of you. It's 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 Jimmy Butler took over that game in the end. Jason Tatum disappeared. Uh, like I said, I don't expect this from Jason Tatum. This is what he does. He's gonna he's gonna go back home. He's going to like read tweets about him about how he kind of disappeared. He's gonna really lock in. He'll send a couple texts to Kobe Bryant, and then in game two he'll come out and be a monster and. You know, and we'll, we'll feel like Jason Tatum is now unstoppable, but then we're going to have another stinker at some point down the line. Um, that's just kind of the Jason Tatum experience, which is fine because Boston is so deep and so talented across the board. But then you start introducing like like Jalen Brown's hand gushing blood or whatever their report was. Like, what the hell's going on with him and the mask, uh, which he's wearing for his face doesn't actually hurt anymore, right? He's just wearing this for for fun. Him and Cody Zeller, the mask bros out there running around uh, playing against each other. Um but it's just absurd going into a series that you, you gave the Miami Heat a 3% chance. And I'm not, I, I say you as though it was like the basketball community at large. It was ESPN. I mean, this was, this was absurd from the start, TJ. This is, this is exactly why this was absurd. I still expect the Celtics to win the series. But um, yeah, the, the heater, the heat just remind me of like the, the Kimball Walker, Shabazz Napier type UConn teams where they just like play disgusting defense where it's like even if they're not getting stops, they're just making it so miserable and so not fun for the other team that they just like slowly wear you. They, they just try to turn every game into a muck off, which uh, is bizarre because tonight obviously they, they, they poured it in and scored 120 whatever points. Um, but that's their attitude going into these games is just like create a muck fest and then let Jimmy Butler be special. And that's what he is. And then the rest of the guys, and this is where the heat culture comes in, and I want to make fun of it. Every time I hear the two words heat culture together, I want to laugh and say, that's stupid. But also, the more you watch Eric Spolster coach teams, you're like, all right, there probably is something to this. Um, the guy, the rest of the guys on the team are all fine with either scoring nothing or scoring 25 themselves. Like the, the the balance they have outside of Jimmy is what makes this team special to this point. Like I don't mean special as in like one of the great all time NBA teams. I mean special in a sense of like they're an eight seed and and we're seeing them on this run that they're on. And now all of a sudden they've taken game one in Boston. And I think at this point, if you're telling yourself that he don't have a chance of winning an NBA title, you're crazy. They definitely do. They, they still, as it stands right now, are the least, they should be the least favored. I still think Boston will win. I still think if the Heat advance, they will not be favored against uh, whoever they would make, in, whoever they would face in the West. Um, but that that's what makes them so special is that uh, they, you take a guy like Max Struess, who in the first quarter, I think might have literally put up an 11 trillion. Like this man played almost every single minute, didn't do a goddamn thing. Um but he's he also in the third quarter just goes nuts and starts hitting everything and i think max Struess is the kind of guy and gabe vincent's the kind of guy and on and kevin love in this iteration of what he is at this point for this team um Caleb Martin on down the line like all the guys duncan robinson are certainly this every single one of these guys is like if it's my night it's my night i'll be i'll help out and score if it's not my night i'm fine doing whatever i have to do um and that's that's what makes him so fun and so hard to guard too, because you don't know like Bam Adebayo can can explode at any given time, or Bam Adebayo can be like I'm just going to play defense and rebound tonight, and we'll you know hit a ton of threes. Um, so they're weirdly like by having by having like a, a a roster that doesn't jump off the page at you with a ton of talent at this point in time. Like the names kind of do, but like Kyle Lowry feels like he's you know he's obviously past his prime and. Um, just, just some of the some of the 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 guys that you see come out, and you're like, this this is the team. You're how many undrafted guys? Do they have seven, I think, is what they said. Um, 
that that feels like it should be a detriment to them but the fact that there there is no ego and by having so many undrafted dudes that like don't have there's no expectation there's not Gabe Vincent isn't going to a game saying I have to get my 20 shots tonight or I have to get like I'm I'm out here to do XYZ he's just like it's Jimmy's team we're all here to fill in however we can and uh that's what makes it so fun is that you just, you just don't know where it's coming from you don't know you know obviously there will be nights where nobody's hitting and that's that that becomes like disgusting basketball that the heat play but tonight it felt like everybody was hitting there was like six or seven dudes that had like 15 plus points for him the scoring was really balanced and then on top of that jimmy was special and that is the formula and i think the heat have at least one more of these in them whether they win it or not like i i i do think they have a puncher's chance still to beat the celtics like of course you how could you watch game one and say otherwise um but yeah i mean i'm not i'm not stupid the celtics are still gonna win this series it's just uh this is why we were laughing in the first place that they were given a three percent chance this is yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think there's any panic coming from Celtics fans. I don't think there really should be. Like, I think they'll turn around and say Celtics can't win in five without losing one, so we're fine. But at <laughs> some point, you do, I think, have to start hovering your hand towards that panic button on Jason Tatum long term. That's what like, I've been. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is what this is going to be the way he plays through the playoffs. That's an issue. If we but, if we're just going to lose him completely for at least one or two games every single playoff series, this is what I was trying to say last show. Where I was saying, like, obviously Tatum is talented. There's there's no denying that. Um, it's just it, he he has been pushed to a level that uh, I, I I think is frankly just premature. And, and tonight's a great example why. Like that. Like if you want to be an all time great, which is it's an unfair expectation. I get that. Like not every. A good young player in the NBA, we should be looking at and saying like, "You're not, you're not an all-time great yet. Like, you, you're, you're a fraud." I'm not, I'm not saying that about Tate. Like, he's obviously very good. And he's going to have a great career. He's going to be a Hall of Famer, whatever. But um, it, it just felt like there was this premature crowning to say that this man is, is on the all-time greats list. Um, and and he has the. I, I just feel like you got to point out like they, like he does have the luxury of like not sh- having Jalen Brown and having like the roster. Like Marcus Smart was incredible tonight. Like having. No, no player of his caliber has ever stepped into a position to succeed as as easily as he has. Except maybe, I guess, like the only one that would come to mind would, I guess, be Tim Duncan when he joined the Spurs. And then Tim Duncan rattled off MVPs and titles left and right, which Jason Tatum is not. You know, so that's like if, if you're gonna treat him as though he is this otherworldly, like you know, he's on the level of of I, I don't know, just pick pick your all time superstar here. Um, Nights like tonight can't happen. I mean, they just can't happen. I know he scored a ton of points in the game and all that, but like those turnovers down the stretch weren't just like they were. They were horrendous turnovers. Like just, just completely. It looked like he hadn't played basketball in his life, and this happens far too often. And again, I say that knowing full well in game two, he's going to bounce back. He's going to have an awesome game. But I think that the thing with Tatum that I notice, um, and this is even when he's playing well, is that he, there is like a, a, a feeling of a little bit of it's a little robotic at times with him offensively that um, a little predetermined, a little like, like he can, he can get to his moves and, and when that's happening, it's working. But like the one turnover he had, I forget who was guarding him. Was it Struess was on him? Um, when he threw it right to Jimmy, I think it was Struess, like Struess kind of crawled up in him and you could see Tatum like trying to get into his rhythm to like get his shot off. And like when that didn't work and Struess crawled up into him, he just kind of like panicked and it was like he was short circuiting like a robot. And then he just throws the ball right to Jimmy Butler and you're like, how is this? And, and, and I mean, like, put yourself in and uh, compare that to again, like, pick your pick your all time 
legends of uh, of the game. Kobe's the one, the name that keeps coming to mind because Tatum wants, you know, has such a love affair of Kobe. Like, I mean, just imagine some of the plays that Tatum made down the stretch and Tatum disappearing and all that kind of stuff and ask yourself, like, would Kobe Bryant be doing this? And again, I get it. It's unfair to set such a high standard. I'm just, I'm speaking from like a, a guy that's like just an observer of like the way these superstars are treated and you would believe the way the Boston media machine talks about Jason Tatum you would believe he's on that level right now and he's just clearly not and he can get there um but I'm with you T like at, at some point you do have to start <laughs> I don't know I I, I mean it, 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 I think you have to wait to see how the season ends I don't think we should uh you know hit a panic button in the middle of a series, even though Celtics fans did that last series and booed their own team at home when they went on to win the series. Um, people forget. Uh, so <laughs> I don't think we do need to do that now. But this is this is a pattern that continues to happen over and over and over and over again. And even if he's a monster the rest of this series, if he like this was his one stinker of a game against Miami and now he's going to pick it up and it is Celts in five or it's it's Celtics in six, whatever. And Jason Tatum is, is otherworldly and leads the Celtics to the finals. A rational mind has to think going into the NBA Finals, we're going to see a couple bad games from Jason Tatum, because that's just that's how it works. And and he, unlike other superstars, he has the luxury of having bad games because the the, the rest of the team is so good around him that he can take time take plays off and just pick his spots here and there and then explode for a big scoring output, and then have everybody be like he scored thirty eight tonight, isn't he awesome? And it's like yeah, he kind of is, but also right. Like it was sort of easy for like I mean I could have probably scored twenty one of those thirty eight. Yeah. You know? If Boston wants to be the entitlement like look at us city that they they try to be for for basketball, they should be criticizing him by now because if this was like a Yankees player, like he'd be getting booed off the court for not performing in the club. Yeah, like the really, Yankees, uh, Yankees fans boo Aaron Judge if he strikes out three times in one night, even if he's hitting three fifty on an MVP season. Like uh, that's just how it is when uh, you're in a high pressure city. I've painted myself in a corner, TJ, because I I want to I want to criticize Tatum, but then also get on Boston fans for making the same observations that I'm making. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I don't know who I want to go after more. Um, yeah, that one's tough. Because <laughs> I, how do I? I, I got to go back to the. I got to get back to my lab and figure this out. I'll, I'll come back next show prepared better. But yeah, it is. I do realize that every criticism I have of Jason Tatum, every Celtics fan is like, yeah, no shit, dude. This is why we were booing against the Sixers, you know? <laughs> Which, but still, you can't boo your team when their season's not, you can't, that, that makes no sense. Like, you can't, I, maybe I need to do that. Like, I need to, I need to be one of those, uh, uh, you know how, like, every time a, a college basketball team storms the court, you see, like, the talking heads on, like, some, some sports show that doesn't even give a shit about college basketball but suddenly they want to talk about like this the court storm last night that happened in Ames Iowa and uh they're like here here are here are our criteria for storming a court if you've won a national title in the last 17 and a half years no if you <laughs> you know i need to do that with uh booing your team here here are the circumstances where it's okay to boo your team um cuz I, I i did have a problem with that but also I, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 it would be frustrating because I, I keep seeing, you know, I, I do see the same thing. Like Celtics, I, I do believe, and I'm not saying this to troll, uh, even though I do at times say that, you know, try to try to jinx the Celtics, do the reverse jinx deal, whatever. Um, I genuinely do believe in my heart of hearts that they have the best team when they want to have the best team, when they want to play, when they want to lock in, when the offense is actually like fluid and they're sharing the basketball. Because like Tatum disappearing 
was his fault in a lot of ways. And and when he did get the ball, he was he was turning it over, making dumb plays. But also, he wasn't getting the ball nearly as much as he should have been. And that's that's it's like the Celtics have the opposite problem that the Heat have, which is like they have a lot of dudes that think it's their turn, and they have they they have like so much talent that they think like you know like Marcus Smart was is awesome, but at the same time, you know. Um, I, if I was a Celtics fan and Marcus Smart was playing well, I'd almost start to get worried because I'm like, he's is he going to play too well to think that he should start taking over games uh, when you have Jason T- like the, the the pecking order kind of gets out of whack at times. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. They're, it's, they're a fascinating team. That's why I can't get enough of them, and I and I, I, I want to talk about them every show. And I promised Cody coming into the show, Cody, our, our new junior editor, who was a big Celtics fan, and uh, winces every time I talk shit about Celtics fans and and the franchise uh i promised him we would not talk about the celtics and look at us we're 15 minutes in just still <laughs> talking about this this damn franchise in boston so um no uh the heat big win for the heat i i i think it's uh it, it stood out to me as they kept like harping on all the undrafted players and you know max Struess is 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 playing well and um and just you know the, the heat culture so to speak uh the the, the hilarity of eric spolstra it just like finally clicked with me how funny it is that Eric Spolster is in this run right now with the Heat, where it, he's he, he's he's overachieving. I mean, I don't know how else to describe it. Like he's just like they, they figured out something that like other franchises haven't figured out, and they're they're getting the most out of their team. And um, he's he's doing it with all these guys that are unheralded and it was cracking me up because I'm thinking like when you look back on Eric Spolstra's tenure up to this point at in Miami he's got like two very defined eras and in one of them he has the, the way people talk about it is he has zero talent whatsoever and he's making do with it and finding ways to win and then the other era he had like the most fucking talent of all time on a team um like he has the, the 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 one example everybody uses as building a super team and like this ruined the NBA when LeBron and D Wade and Bosch got all all got together and I think that just uh, proves why your expulsion is a great coach you could do this with a. Uh with the heatles and and maintain all those egos uh i i throw in uh greg odin by the way i forgot that greg was a heatle for a moment in time for one season on uh on miami there um that he can do it with that and then he can do it with this with this group um i i, I again i keep saying this because I, I just i feel like we got to all take a deep breath and not overreact after game one i still think the celtics are going to win but uh at the same time, the Heat the, the Heat are dangerous because they have nothing to lose, man. They have nothing to lose, and they're going to go back to Miami up uh, either 2-0 or tied. And yeah, so fun game. And, and Spolster fun surprise. A, you don't need to win uh, Coach of the Year to be a good coach because every other Coach of the Year just gets fired if they don't uh, win a championship. Yeah. I remember when Spolster was hired, he was treated like I, – I, I remember – just laughing at the idea of this guy being the Miami coach and and we were we were talking we being like me and my friends I don't know why I said we <laughs> um we were the, the there was a prevailing thought of like Pat Riley it felt like a John Shire coach K situation where you're just like waiting for for Pat Riley to come out and say I'm taking back over as coach and see Eric uh you know and and he had success with with LeBron obviously but when they lost that first uh that first NBA Finals to the uh, the Mavericks, which is weird because I think this this team, eh, I don't know, this team like sort of does feel like that. Like is Jimmy Butler the Dirk of this team? I don't know. They, 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 this, they just feel. They, they, I like the UConn example better. I'm a I'm a college guy, so like that just that's what I see when I see I, he, I see Kemba Walker carrying the UConn Huskies uh, to heights that they have no business reaching. But at the same time. 
you're you're like this this actually does make sense it somehow makes no sense at all but then the more you watch it you're like yeah of course this makes sense um that that's where i'm at with the heat is is it's starting to finally make sense to me (laughs) after now nine wins in the playoffs and plus a a play and win oh should we start this show yeah i'm down just buying a car in carvana first Ooh, for real? Yeah, it's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do is answer a few questions. Ooh, that's helpful. And now just customizing my down and monthly payments. Ooh, that's a very fair deal. Yep. Boom. Just bought a car. And you get to take me to the Carvana vending machine in a couple days to pick it up. Ooh. I'm kind of busy. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Um... Moving on to the West, the Western Finals, because uh, I, I, I think this is the more compelling series. I still think, have I said that already? I still think the Celtics are going to win. Um, I think the West will end up still being the better series, uh, and the reason why is because is coming out of Game One, like I said at the top, you have a situation where the Nuggets looked like the better team the entire game. Uh, it was it was a fun game. It was a, it was a game that uh, was certainly like you didn't want to turn off and and you're plugged into and Jokic is making plays that are incredible and uh, Austin Reeves was hitting everything in the fourth quarter and AD was awesome and was by far the second best center like wasn't even close to the best center on the floor and yet he was awesome and was not playing poorly at all um, and yet the, the the Nuggets the Nuggets look like a better team for most of the game, but like the way the fourth quarter went, you're now we're now I'm so excited to see game two because it did feel like there was this sense that the Lakers just kind of ran out of time and they figured some stuff out. And the two big things were Rui Hachimura gets put on Jokic uh, towards the end of the game, and then the Lakers start coming back, and and the Nugget Jokic has a couple stupid turnovers because AD can just kind of roam and play help side, and he doesn't have to guard Jeff Green or Aaron Gordon. Uh, on the perimeter quite as much. Um, so he can just kind of play help side defense and have long arms and either block Jokic's shot or make his passes a little more difficult. Um, and then on the other side of the, the court, uh, LeBron is just abusing Jamal Murray every time down the floor, get, setting ball screens, getting the, the matchup he wants with Murray guarding him, and then just, you know, just looking like a, a dad playing against his sons in the backyard. Um, and, and I think the optimistic Lakers fans would say, we we have them where we want them. Now let's go out in game two and let's like lean on these matchups a little more. And they probably will coming out of the gate. What's going to be fascinating to me is that obviously Denver knows that this is coming. I mean, like the the the, the Hachimura guarding Jokic down the stretch. Yes, he was having success, but my two. If if I'm doing devil's advocate with that, I would say. One, not a huge sample size. There was like eight possessions, you know, and 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 the Nuggets were still like getting good looks. They just like weren't necessarily always hitting them, and a lot of the Lakers' comeback in my mind was was less about like specific thing like matchups and stuff. It was more like the game became a free a parade to the free throw line, and the Lakers were hitting their free throws. And by by doing that, um, it just slowed down the the Denver momentum because then in that first half, Denver was just running and gunning, putting up a ton of points, and then the fourth quarter, it's just like the game grinds to a halt. The Lakers' half-court defense is awesome, whereas their transition defense isn't quite as good. So uh, the Lakers make free throws, get back on, and get to play half-court defense. The game just had a different tenor to it, and rightfully so. Like that that part is not a surprise. So I guess like how much was it Rui on Jokic, and how much of it was just like 
the psychology of it as well, where it's like the Nuggets kind of had the game in the bag, and now they're they're they've sort of shifted into like let's just get this across the finish line mode versus like let's go out and attack mode. Yeah, all all that stuff. I don't I don't have the. I'm not saying one way or the other. I'm just saying like that's the that's what's going to be fascinating to me with game two is we'll find out soon enough like whether Rui Hachimura on Jokic, who one on one is not the answer. We know that. Like no one's. No one in the right mind would say like Rui's going to actually stop Jokic every time down the floor. It's that allowing AD to play help side um, just changes like the dynamics of of what's going on there because Jokic was completely abusing Davis. I mean that was Jokic is is he's so freaking fun, man. Like he he I, I have reached a point where I just cackle laughing watching him play. Like I I I, I the, the 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 three at the end of the third quarter especially. You, you watched the game, right? You, you know what I'm talking about, the, the three that he hit over. The, the there was a, So first of all, Anthony Davis starts laughing. Jokic, Jokic hits that shot over, over AD, and his face looked like he just missed the shot to in Game 7 of the NBA Finals at the buzzer, and he just looked like he was the saddest guy ever as he's walking to the bench. Anthony Davis is smiling, like laughing, like, are you fucking kidding me with this guy? And then I saw, as they're coming to commercial, one of the Lakers' assistants is getting off the bench, and he's high-fiving AD, and he's laughing. And I'm like, this is incredible that this guy is so good that he's got the other team like literally laughing because they don't know what to do to stop him. It's he's incredible. like awe-inspiring. Like he's like a mm-hmm. he's a he's a cheat code. It it doesn't make any sense the way he can like. You would think you put like an all-star big man up against an all-star big man, and you'd have some sort of competitive defense. But he's just like he's mystical. I don't know. It's it's. it's I, I, okay, so very hot take. I know this. I, I this is insane. Um, I understand how insane it is. I'm just trying to get ahead of something here um, because I do feel like this. In, I, I feel like Joel Embiid winning the MVP over Jokic is somehow better for the uh, for America to be like locked in on how good Jokic is than had Jokic won a third MVP in a row. As dumb as that sounds, like I think like I think Embiid winning the MVP and then having a stinker of a playoffs kind of. Um, almost, almost like helped Jokic, and Jokic is on like a historic run right now in the play. He's 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 incredible every single night. Um, but as as the the basketball collective, as 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 the basketball viewing public is going to get locked in more and more on on Nikola Jokic, whether the Nuggets beat the Lakers in this series and ultimately, you know, win the win the NBA championship or don't, whatever happens, like it's clear that he's going to be awesome in this series and he's been awesome in this playoffs, and people are going to be tuning in and watching. I think TJ, there's a chance, a, a, a very, we'll call it a three percent chance. What if the Nuggets are the new Warriors? What if the Nuggets, like, what if, what if we're watching, like, right now, we're watching the 2015 Warriors in the sense that they are, they are the team that has like has America's collect, like, like I said earlier, where you're like cackling, laughing, watching them because you're like, this, this dude is like breaking the game. He's, he's mystical. He's what what if that's where we're at with the Nuggets? Now again, I say that's insane because the Warriors obviously had like a dynasty and they went to however many straight finals, and the Nuggets haven't even made the finals once, much less won one championship. Um, but that was all the stuff I was talking about with Steph going into the Warriors Lakers series and like what makes Steph so fun and like why people will argue that like Steph has a chance to be better than LeBron, even though that's absolutely insane thing to say. Um, is because of how he makes you feel, and I really do think I'm getting I'm I'm getting there with Jokic. Like when I watch Jokic, I'm like, this is I don't 
uh, fine, give Joel Embiid the MVP. I don't care. I don't care if Jokic ever wins an MVP again. I, there's one guy in the NBA that I want to watch more than anyone else, and it's Nikola Jokic because what he does night in and night out, it's just it's laughable. It's actually laughable. And what's so funny to me about it is that we're, we're now transitioning away from like the, the Jokic case for MVP used to – it felt like the last couple years and this year – it felt like the people that wanted to make the argument for Jokic were like the analytics crowd. Um, like if, if you were doing like the, the, the meathead jocks versus like the stats nerds, it's like the jocks say it should be Embiid and the nerds say it should be Jokic. I don't even care what they end up. Like I love Jokic for the eye test. Like Jokic passes every single test. Like of course he's great with the analytics and stuff, but like I, if, if you never know what a single like stat even is, and you barely know what basketball is, you could turn on a Nuggets game and be like, this guy's other. This guy's insane. This guy's this guy's the most fun I've had watching basketball in a very long time. Um, Yo, next round is about to start. You ready? Yeah, yeah. Just shopping for a car in Carvana. For real? Yeah, Carvana makes it super convenient to shop whenever, wherever. For real? That's a ton of car options. Yep, and these are all within my price range. For really real? You can afford that? Yeah, with Carvana. And boom, just like that, I'm getting it delivered in a couple days. For really, really real? You just bought a car. For real, and you just lost. My turn. Visit Carvana.com to shop for thousands of vehicles under $20,000. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I literally was laughing out loud watching him, especially in that first half, uh, as some of the passes he was making. And just like the, the, he jumps off the wrong foot on some of those floaters. He's jumping off his right foot and shooting with his right hand and tipping the ball to himself so he could lay 12 rebounds in the first quarter. He, he's so, so freaking fun. So um, I, I, I can't get enough of it. I'm, I'm, the, the, I would love yeah. to if, if this was like a, a 2015 Warrior situation and this became like the new like way to play in the NBA and you just had a bunch of like Jokic-like freaks coming out through college the way Steph like influenced kids to take like deep yeah. three-pointers and it, it just, like the NBA just looked like a like a like a Harlem Globetrotters YMCA game <laughs> in like 15, 20 years. Cut to Armando Baycott in Chapel Hill and he's like practicing his like floaters off of the wrong foot, you know, like doing like Jokic. He's practicing his Jokic passes. Yeah, every big man wants to be Jokic now. Um, yeah, I, 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 again, I understand that's stupid. That's probably not what we're seeing, but uh, th- that feeling, it, it, it does feel very familiar. Just that feeling of watching the same feeling you have watching the Warriors as their dynasty started. That's where I'm at with the Nuggets, where it's like, this is so different and it doesn't feel like it should work because. The other thing, like, like with the Warriors, it was jump shooting, and and you know I've talked about it a bunch that uh, I, I Barkley was the guy that I just I, I just have such vivid memories of every single night on on TNT. Charles Barkley's like, yeah, the Warriors are good, but they're a jump shooting team, and jump shooting teams can't win NBA championships, and then they end up winning. And you're like suck at Chuck, but also at the same time, I was nodding along with Chuck the whole time because no one had really done it that way before. That's kind of where we're at with the Nuggets too, and that like they're they're def- they're not a defensive minded team, and and historically you have to play some semblance of defense to win an NBA championship. But their offense is so freaking good that yeah, I, I do have concerns as to whether they can see this through and whether they can win seven more games in these playoffs and and win it all because uh you know the the, the defense isn't always as good as it needs to be, but. I don't know. Maybe, maybe maybe they are breaking the mold. Maybe uh, that Jokic is so special and uh, Murray is great. And I, I do think the Nuggets are better defensively than they get credit for too. Like I, I think as a team, they're obviously not great defensively, but but Aaron Gordon and KCP and, and Bruce Brown and, and even Christian Brown off the bench is a good energy guy. And Jeff Green 
in very rare care. Jeff Green for one possession at a time can be great defensively. Um, I think they have pieces. It's just the problem is their top three guys, Jokic, Murray, and, and Porter, they kind of stink defensively. Jokic, though, is like, I don't know. The, the, that's where the analytics come in because I think like the analytics guys will tell you Jokic is better defensively than than he gets credit for. But um, at the same time, he he does get pretty lazy at times. So uh, I, I think their team defense isn't great, obviously, but I do think they have individuals who can guard and that that makes him fascinating as well because I it, it does take all five guys to be a great team defensively, but um, in terms of just like individual matchups, uh, you know, like LeBron's going to be hunting that matchup with with Jamal Murray all game two and for the rest of the series, I'm sure. But um, Denver's going to know that, and they're going to figure out ways to make sure that that doesn't happen, and they're not going to switch those ball screens as much. And um, yeah, and, and plus, like LeBron's not going to be able to do that for 48 minutes anyway. Like LeBron. Yeah, we're not, we're not gonna. He's gonna get gassed anyway. But uh, no, that's enough. Sorry, I I I, I kind of blacked out there. I was, I'm very excited about this series because I th- I think the the matchups are gonna be so fascinating because uh, we thought going in, and by I keep saying we when I should just say myself. Uh, I thought going in it was gonna be Jokic versus AD, and like it, we're just gonna see like two titans, the, the the best defender versus the best offensive guy going at it, and you know whoever wins that matchup is gonna be in a really great spot to to win the game and then win the series. Um, but already after game one, I think now the focus is shift to like every other matchup and like how because and and then the fact that like AD is probably not gonna guard Jokic a ton moving forward. But maybe he will. Maybe maybe like Rui's guarding him and Jokic is prepared for it and he dices dices up the Lakers defense and Darvin Ham's like, fuck it, let's put AD back on him and and not double. Because that's that's the other thing too, is like the Lakers have to figure that out with you. This is this is why I'm so obsessed with this series, TJ. I'm, I'm I, I should I should shut up at this point. I'm just like a runaway train getting fired up about like all these different adjustments that could be made and um Yeah. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Let's talk about the lottery, maybe. <laughs> Nobody cares. I'm just, I'm just excited for game two because I think that this is. I, I obviously prefer the NCAA tournament of like a one and done format and like every, you have to bring it on this one night. But this is where a series can really shine. Is instances like this where, you know, by the time game six comes around, it might not resemble game one whatsoever, and and how the teams are approaching it, and that's true of every series, but like. To see such a stark contrast and like to go into game two already with the Lake, it feels like the Lakers game plan is going to be completely different than what it was when they started game one uh, makes seven game series super fascinating to me because, um, yeah, I, I I think it's going to be a great series and uh, I, I think Denver's ultimately going to win it because I think that home court advantage is going to win out in the end. Like, I, th- I, I do think this is a series that like. I, I don't want to – even if Denver goes up 2-0, you still have to wait and see what happens in L.A. But I also – if, if Denver can get up and go in that altitude, I really do think there's something to that, especially with LeBron, you know. Like, I, LeBron's not washed up, but he's he's also 38 years old. If you can get him running more than he wants to in the altitude. Have you been to, have you been to the mountains before? Like No, I'm kind of scared of altitude. Denver. Dude. It sucks. Yeah. <laughs> it sucks so bad. I tried to run one mile one time when I was in Boulder. I quit like a half mile in and said, this is like, I, I, I thought it was like a myth for some reason. I don't know why yeah. that happens, but like you, you hear about the altitude and you're like, there's no way this is like an actual thing. I, you think you're smarter than science. And then to actually feel it, you're like, oh shit, this yeah. is what, this is what just, this feels like. The mere yeah. concept of just getting sick because you're standing where you're standing. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
is like that and like deep sea stuff. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll probably stay relatively sea level permanently just to yeah. avoid uh, ever having to worry about you get, that. You get seasick? Uh, I went whale watching when I was like nine and threw up on the boat. So yeah, I guess I guess, <laughs> so, yes I guess was the answer. I guess I that, that would be the that would be the answer. Um, what else from? Uh, I think that's it. We can talk about the lottery. Sorry, I, I got I, I I turned into JJ Reddick there for a second. Just spitting off a. Uh, actually, JJ, that's not true. JJ Reddit back. back JJ Reddit going. That's actually viral, not true. Trending, trending once again today. One of the one of the great all time takes TJ was I was on it very early was that uh, JJ was I don't, I don't want to do this again I don't, I don't want to go down I don't want to go down this road <laughs> I don't want to go down this road I'm gonna get in trouble but um, yeah J I mean I mean it's like it's just very transparent what's going on and JJ Reddit JJ. Reddick, I'm sorry. I know I'm, I can't even keep track of what his what his real name is. Um, he just wants to be loved by the by all the current players, and he's, he's I guess now we we learned by him interviewing with the Raptors that he's trying to parlay it into an NBA head coaching job. Which more power to him. It's just like as a consumer of media, I just like oh, that's all I ask. Like when I I, I find myself on the show going on way too many rants about like basketball media people, and I should probably not do that. That's not a great way to ingratiate yourself into the basketball community. So <laughs> I should probably not do. But I think the what what just like drives me crazy the most are two things. One is ego in sports media. Like the idea that literally anybody in sports media could have an ego about themselves when like the whole, re- your whole job, you're, th- there are adult men playing a game and then you watch the men play the game and you talk about that. And now you think that like you are important. Like there's so many levels removed to like what's going on here that like the people that are talking about the people that are playing a game, I'm here to tell you we don't matter, myself included. None of us matter. So, like, anytime there's, like, a guy that Woj, you know, Woj is the guy. Anytime a guy like Woj comes along where he's like, this whole this whole enterprise would fall apart if I wasn't here. It drives me It drives me insane. It's like, no, it would not. It would not. Kobe Bryant died in a helicopter crash, and they played NBA games, like, a couple, you know. like <laughs> As it turns out, no nobody's bigger than any of the shit so that drives me crazy and the other thing is just when people aren't transparent cj i think like when if jj just came out and was like yeah i'm gonna gas up every current player because i want current players to fight for me when head coaching jobs come open i want like joe like the sixers i want joel Embiid meeting with the front office saying we should hire jj reddick because i love him and i think he has great takes on his podcast i wouldn't have i wouldn't have as much of a problem with it but that's exactly what's going on you know that's the only thing that makes sense. It's like it literally every single time there's an issue with a current player, JJ's like, now hang on a second. <laughs> I think the current player's misunderstood. I think. <laughs> Can you imagine? Shall I take your order or do you need a minute? Yes, I'll be ready. Just buying a car on Carvana. What? It's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do was answer a few questions. What? That's handy. Yeah. Now I'm customizing my down and monthly payments. What? That's an exquisite deal. And just like that, Carvana's delivering my car in a couple days. What? Oh, yeah. Uh, Sorry, I'll have the burrito. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Delivery fees may apply. It's kind of genius. It's going to work. He he will be, you know, he'll have whatever job he wants, whether it's media or coaching. Was his ultimate point, why isn't the, the governor of Texas 
Why hasn't Adam Silver suspended him? Was that was yeah. that, that takeaway? It, it kind of had like a yeah, same argument or different argument, same point or vice versa or whatever. We didn't talk about Jaw at all, I don't think. But yeah, we didn't. Um, I, here's here's my Jaw thoughts. Not good. Not good. I would yeah. I would not. Yeah, I would, if, if it was me, I would not be uh, waving a gun around on on the the <laughs> my my Jaw thought is like. He could do literally everything he's doing except just not do it on Instagram Live. <laughs> None of this would be a problem. And that's pretty wild to think about, too. That, like, I also could... like the, the way he tweets about it. Like, he's, like, recovering and learning things. Like, yeah. last time I checked, gun on Instagram Live was not, like, a stage schedule one narcotic that you can, like, get addicted to. It's kind of just like a, you know, a conscious decision-making thing. But I could oh, be wrong. I need... I need John Moran and Bob Huggins in, in the same sensitivity training yes. program where they're both learning their lessons at the same time. <laughs> Equally they, harmful to your job, yes. They have to, the, the, the reality shows that they have to teach each other. Bob Huggins has to teach John Moran about, uh, you know, just being responsible, being an ambassador for the league and, like, not not yeah. getting, drunk, getting drunk and waving a gun around in public um, and pointing lasers at Indiana Pacers staffers and stuff like that. Uh, and then Ja has to teach Bob, uh, Bob Huggins not to use slurs. <laughs> yeah. It's just live media sensitivity training. Yeah. Ben Mintz will also be. Ben, ben, <laughs> yeah. Now, if JJ would have made that art, because JJ was basically like, Ja Morant did not do anything illegal, so why is he being punished? And I'm nodding along, and I'm like, yeah, Ben Mintz. Same, same story. <laughs> Why, why is Adam Silver not suspended Ben Mintz? Explain that to me. Um, moving on. Let's talk about the uh, the Spurs winning the lottery. Victor Wimbanyama will be a San Antonio Spur, which uh, how, how irrational is that of me to for that to, to bother me, TJ? You can be honest that like it's it's already it's it's already reported as fact that the Spurs like that like Victor Wimbanyama is is a Spur. That that I, I don't know why that bothers me. It shouldn't. It's it's a very it's a very minor yeah. thing, um, but I think it just kind of like, I, I, yeah, I don't know. It's like, what's the point of watching the draft now? Because you're already admitting that he's number one. Like, we we need some sort of suspense, right? Is Isn't there part of the fun? Is there any chance that they trade out of the pick? No, no. I, I so I'm thinking through like. What if he's waving a gun on Instagram? <laughs> Even I'm, how big of a <laughs> there's the hypothetical. How big of a gun would Victor Wembanyama yes. have to be waving for his the Spurs? Arm, his arms are that? so long, like that's a that's a danger for like the entire European Union if he's waving a gun. Yeah. <laughs> what uh, what could Victor Wembanyama do to get the Spurs to not take him number one at this point? Um, no, it's a it's a it's a stupid complaint. I of course they're going to take him number one. I just like I. I yeah, I don't know. I, I need like, to get like over it. I need to get over like it. I need 15, to get over it. The Thunder have like 31 picks, and I think is the number, before 2029. If they trade 10 first-round picks or 12 first-round picks, yeah, like it, it, what is the theoretical number <laughs> what, what's of first-round picks that you would have to ship I don't, off? In all seriousness, I don't think it's a first-round. It's the, no because the, the – uh, Having one surefire guy is worth more than like twelve. Having one A plus 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 guy is worth more than twelve A minus guys. Even um, so, th- th- they wouldn't do it for picks. I'm thinking of like how many guys, how many singular players in the league would you trade for? 
Um, do the Celtics say we'll give you Jason Tatum for the number one pick? <laughs> which uh, I don't. I still don't think the Spurs do that. Which maybe they do. I don't know. I'm not a GM. This is this is. I I don't understand. Uh, I, I I don't I don't dabble in this stuff. I don't I don't get how people like know how to be amateur NBA GMs on the internet these days. That's not my that's not my forte. But I would think like having like a surefire thing like because Tatum for all his flaws like he's a, we know what he is and we know how good he is. I would think I would rather have that than the question mark. But I mean Victor. How much of a question mark is he really? They were saying, like, the, the, you know what I should have been complaining about is not that they're saying he's going to the Spurs and that it's a done deal when I have to now watch the draft and then I have to see them put the Spurs on the clock and then the, the clock's, like, fucking ticking there and we're all losing our minds. We're like, we know the pick. Let's just get to the next one. Um, I should I should instead be complaining about uh, ESPN saying that, that he's the, the best prospect we've ever seen in basketball and all that sort of thing. That was wild. That was wild. Yeah, because <laughs> I can think of at least two guys very quickly that I heard about when they were like thirteen. Yeah, or I didn't. I was too young for LeBron when he was in high school. But certainly Zion Williamson, I I saw clips of him as like an eighth grader dunking on people, and the, they were LeBron- like, "This is going to be the number one pick in now, six years." You could argue that LeBron benefited from being an American, whereas Victor is not. And I think if Victor Wimbenyama was playing high school basketball in Akron, Ohio. Maybe he there's more juice behind the hype um, than him just being some French dude that's like playing in a league that nobody knows or even if you do know you don't even know how to watch it. Uh, yeah, but dude, I I vividly remember LeBron James coming out of high school and the the, the hype for that man was on a completely it's not even close. It's not even in the same stratosphere. Wimbledon is not even the same stratosphere. Um, and also. LeBron had zero. There, there was like LeBron's floor was like Vince Carter, probably. Like LeBron's floor was like <laughs> Hall of Famer. Like, like a, yeah, yeah. It's like that. The very worst we're gonna see out of LeBron James. And then the second he steps into the league, he was dominating games. Uh, Wimbenyama is probably going to be great. He's probably going to be a Hall of Famer. He's probably going to be very, very good basketball player. But I don't, I don't think if you have questions about his durability and about like a guy that tall uh, holding up. Like, I don't think that's irrational to have those questions. I don't, th- I think that's a fair thing to say. And just like that alone should disqualify him from being like the biggest can't miss prospect yeah. we've ever seen entering the NBA. I-, I think my real issue with it, if I'm being completely honest, I think I, okay. So when's the draft? It's going to, we still have like a month, probably like five weeks. I have time to decide, but I, I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to hit the anti-Wimbenyama button, TJ. I was going to say, should we it. just shit on him? That way we're I think I'm going to do it. The ones that are right when he doesn't yeah. become the greatest basketball player of all time? Victor Wimbenyama will not be the greatest basketball player of all time, and you can you can take that to the bank. That yep. will not happen. That's a fact. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I Imagine uh, him going up against Jokic. Like it, the body matchups are so different. I have no idea what would happen, but you could assume that Jokic might like body up into Wenbanyama and like blast him across the court because yeah, he's so like it, spidery. Didn't I, I think he was shooting like twenty eight percent from three in his league. That, that's the other thing too. Is like you, you see like the right clip of him hitting threes, and you're like, oh my god, he's he's Steph Curry, but he's seven four. <laughs> But he's not. He just like hit that one three that you saw. You didn't see the other seven that he missed before the that. The ones that he misses, you see the the replay of him 
like grabbing the rebound and dunking yeah. it all in one motion from the three point line. Here's here's why I'm anti Wimbenyama though. Um, I think Victor Wimbenyama and I talked about this a little bit with with San Vicini. I think he marks the moment in time where we as Americans can stop being nice to the rest of the world with basketball. I think it's time for us. Uh, the Dream Team in 1992, uh, they play in Barcelona. They they are it's kind of like the the singular moment where basketball went global. They they, they it was just so freaking fun to watch them play and all these you know you, you just hear like all these other guys that that came up in the NBA after that and talk about like I just remember watching that team and I fell in love with the game because of those guys and all that sort of thing. And there's this initiative that's that's been going on from the NBA and 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 others to to spread the game across the globe and it's worked it's worked wonderfully. And now you look up in 2023 and the NBA is is littered with all sorts of guys from all the, every corner of the globe. Uh, but I, I think Wimbenyama marks the moment in time where we can stop. That's why that's why I say like when everyone's coming up with like the mythical creature to compare him to, is he a unicorn? Is he a a centaur? I think he's Frankenstein's monster, TJ. I think this is a monster that we built, we as a country built, that that we were trying to spread basketball around the world. And this is this is what we've done to ourselves. This is Victor Wimbenyama. And with that, I think it's time for us to now put our foot down and say to hell with all these like i i i'm legitimately worried about the olympics moving forward i'm worried especially when you look around and you're, you realize that the young crop of american players john Morant might be the face of of american basketball <laughs> like the the youngest like the the early 20s guys it might be john Morant. you know like you look at here, here's an exercise for everybody listening um think of the five NBA players that you hate the most, whether rational or otherwise, you're just like, God, I fucking hate, I hate watching him. I hate his off-court drama. I hate that he flops, that he complains to the refs, that he, whatever it is, whatever, the five players that trigger you the most. And then think of the five guys where you're like, I love watching those guys play. They're so fun. I'm going to guess that the majority of the guys you hate are Americans. And the majority of the guys you, you love are not Americans. This is a serious problem we have, TJ, and I am worried about the the state of USA basketball moving forward. Like I said, I last show, like I, we are still the best country, but there is going to become a time where we will lose in the Olympics, and and it won't be shocking anymore, and it'll like kind of make sense, and like or like we'll go to an Olympics game not being favored, and I don't know if it's going to happen in France, probably not, but it's it could happen in in twenty years from now. Um, I just want to get ahead of that and say. I, I'm no longer doing my part. I'm not. I'm not spreading the game. I will not be a, a basketball missionary anymore. <laughs> when I when I travel all over the globe, I will not be spreading basketball. I will be keeping it for us, the Americans only, because this is Victor Wimbanyama marks the moment in time where this is swung too far the other way. Yeah. And if France says this that they're growing, we have to stop giving our resources to the rest of the world, and we have to just hoard them for ourselves. That's my that's my stance. So that for that reason, I'm anti Wimbanyama. Give me Scoot Henderson. We're football globalists. We discussed this last time. We're not basketball. Glo- we're we're here to spread the word of the internet, the world football team. <laughs> That's exactly right. See, I mean, we we have that attitude with hockey, right? Like if if I told you like it, I hate Canada's hockey team, you're like, of course, yes, you should. We all do. Yeah, I I just want to like I want to get to a point where the United States basketball team has a legitimate rivalry, and I think Wimbenyama in France is going to be that rival. Especially like Rudy Gobert has already yeah. got us halfway there. Like we hate we can hate the French basketball team for him alone. You know, 
Um, I, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm just trying to get ahead of this. This is, this is the whole game. This is the whole sports punditry game. You just got to get your takes. You got to be ahead of the curve here, TJ. So, I think us being anti Wimbenyama is a good, a good. It can only be. pay off unless he becomes the greatest basketball player literally ever. <laughs> which In might- which case, I guess we. Uh, oops, I guess we were wrong. <laughs> but if he's even like just okay, we are right. He might be though. That's the thing. That's yeah. what's scary. He might actually he might. break the way people play basketball. I think he might, but but he's. I, I think the injury concerns are fair. Like I, 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 a guy that big is. I just need to see a guy that big. Not get injured for a long, yeah. long stretch. Like every other, every other example we have, they have injury problems. Um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Or maybe Chet Holmgren can save us. Maybe, maybe our only hope is Chet Holmgren, who's also like he's like two inches shorter than Wimbenyama, but very similar. Maybe Chet that's what we plays. need. If Chet ever plays, but Chet's hurt all the time too. Um, yeah, the Hornets are essentially on the clock. I wonder who they're going to take. That'll be interesting because uh, I, I, Scoot seems like he should be the pick, but I'm I'm fascinated by Scoot and Lamelo Ball coexisting. I don't know how that's going to work out. Um, so then you feel like, is it Brandon Miller? Is that the pick? Are those the two guys that are vying for number two? The Thompson twins are good. I need to get Sam back on the show. Sam has to break this all down for me because there's way too many guys in this draft that didn't play in college. And then the one guy who did play in college, uh, well, there are more than one guys at the top, but the one guy who's like has a chance to go number two that did play in college is Brandon Miller, who sucked ass in the NCAA tournament uh, and also had a controversy, we'll say. Also, <laughs> Get him on the Grizzlies. Get it, yeah, him and Ja can can hang out together. They got a lot in common. And then like Cam Whitmore is up there who played at Villanova, uh, was hurt at the start of the year, and then played in the NIT, and nobody really saw him play. Um, like he didn't grab America America's attention either. I don't know. This is this is a bad draft for college basketball, TJ. I think that's why I got to go anti Wimbanyama as well. It's just there's a lot of things lining up. That's that's bad for America. <laughs> this is a bad draft for America. <laughs> the the odds makers have Scoot second, Brandon Miller third, and then the Thompsons going four and five. Four and five. Who goes first? Amen Thompson or yes. also Amen's better. Okay. Well, there you go. The Pacers will the Pacers will get Grady Dick at seven. Is that what it says? <laughs> is that what the mock draft says? <laughs> Doesn't go that deep, but I wouldn't be surprised. Yes. It'll be a pace, a great pacer, or like a, a jazz legend. I like Grady Dick a lot. Uh, I just I I don't need to see him in a Pacers uniform. That's all. I, I want him to play somewhere else, and I'll cheer for him. Um, but when the Pacers draft him, I'm I'm just gonna nod along and just be like, yeah. That feels about right. Pacers have never won the lottery, TJ. The Spurs have won three now. You get David Robinson, you get Tim Duncan, you get Victor Wimbanyama. It's not right. It doesn't add up. NBA rigged. Does. He, he seemed really excited to go to – I didn't even make the Tony Parker and Boris Diaw connection until he pointed that out, but he he this seemed like preordained. This makes me think it is rigged because, like, Victor Wimbanyama – like, I saw the uh, the clip of when the Rockets – Yeah. Um. When the Rockets popped up and he smiled and was excited, and he's like, thank God I don't have to go there. That's, I don't know. Well, what were your thoughts? People fishy. were shitting, or not shitting, but there was a couple tweets about um, the ESPN sending Windhorst all the way to Paris to do a 70-second <laughs> interview. 
<laughs> I, I love I love Wind Horse, so I, I think that's one of those deals where if it was anybody else, I would hate it, but because it's Wind Horse, I was like, hell yeah, let's let's go. Wind Horse <laughs> Wind Horse built his career by basically just following LeBron around. Oh. Uh but he's very self aware about it. And he, he he it's like what I talked about earlier. He's he's kinda transparent about it and, and I don't know, maybe people will disagree, but I never really felt like he had much of an ego. Like with like I never I, I feel like Windhorse is pretty self aware of, of his position in media where he's like, I'm good at what I do, but also I understand that like if I wasn't, you know, just picking up LeBron's laundry for him here and there, I probably wouldn't have my job. But that's a you know, so I've I've always kinda liked him for for the role he's played and, and then he and then he won everybody over with the uh with the finger yeah. wagon, you know? And which he ended up being absolutely right about with the Jazz trading all their players. Um so I didn't have a problem with him going, but yeah, the the idea of doing it is a little absurd. Like what it, it, especially just cuz he's like, how does it feel, Vic? And he's like, feels good, man. Feels real good. <laughs> all, right, all right, guys, stuff. back. All right, guys, back to you. <laughs> the, just the concept but, of like it took him longer to tie his shoes before he left his hotel room than it did for him to do the work that he yeah. like flew like 12 hours or whatever, eight hours for. He was on the tar. Awesome. He was on the tarmac yes. on the flight over for a longer period of time than he was actually talking to Victor Wimbanyama. Yeah. His in-flight meal took longer to eat. Than but, but as LeBron James is 38 years old, I think that's what makes it so funny is that like, it's, it's not about this one interview. It's about like, <laughs> setting the precedent the implication yeah. that that this is what the, the next wave of brian Winhorse's career is that yes. he's now going to fall around victor women yama he's just hitting a big reset button yeah <laughs> and he's gonna do it with him um all right that's all i got you got any shout outs micah parsons did you see this did you see him they shot him during the game he's uh he plays for the cowboys what tonight yeah so tonight... No, it must have been during the glitch. I didn't see it. Like, I'm not kidding. I had so to... He's from Pennsylvania. He played football at Penn State. Now he's on the Cowboys. He was in the crowd tonight. He was wearing a Celtics jersey. Last round, he was in the crowd, and he was wearing a Sixers jersey. Oh, no. Earlier this year, I think, he was sitting courtside at a Mavericks game wearing a Mavericks jersey. Oh, no. And somebody... Went through his tweets in 2020. He tweeted, "If my Warriors don't get James Wiseman, I'm done with them. We need a big desperately. We got Clay and Steph. We better not get Anthony Edwards." So, <laughs> Butt Crack Sports tweeted this like four like four block of, of tweets together of him and all the jerseys in that tweet, and he said, "Bro, starting next year, I'm claiming one team." So I just wanted to shout out Micah Parsons for just oh Micah Parsons leaned yeah, into it and was he, like he's he like I tweeted Butt Crack Sport or Sports, dude. You know what's so funny is as as I'm watching the lottery, I'm watching Mark Tatum, which I'm a huge Mark Tatum guy because yeah. uh, I hate Adam Silver so much. So I've I've just like made it a position of mine to love the deputy commissioner. He's like the backup quarterback. On, on campus when you have a shitty quarterback <laughs> and you're just like give us the backup that's how I feel about Mark Tatum so every time he comes on to the draft every time I see him at the lottery I'm like yes love that guy I was probably doing the same thing with Adam Silver when he was under David Stern so I know there's going to be a time 10 years from now when Mark Tatum's taking over and I'm like I hate this guy but uh, Mark Tatum is doing the envelopes and I'm, it's it's just riveting television. There's no other way to describe it. It's just seeing this man open envelopes and and tell us the team that is on the card that he pulls out. 
I was thinking to myself, TJ, we need we need more of this in sports or otherwise. And I know like states do their little lottery shows, and you know, I know PMT does their lottery ball. But there's something different about like the collective of having every team in an envelope and all that sort of thing. And I just wish. I think there's got to be a recruit that does this somehow. There's got like we got it. This has to be of a more of like a. I, I would watch if there was something sports related every single night that was a lottery like this. I would watch every single one. I would be tuned into every single like just whether it's a recruit making an announcement. If the NBA was making their referee picks for Game Two of of the Boston Miami series, and they're like, here are the refs this week. Number fourteen. Scott Foster, and then all the Celtics fans are like, fuck you. <laughs> you know, 13, and then they're just going through Ed Malloy, and you're just like going through all the, the refs, and they're like, and that means the three refs will be. And I would watch that. I would watch I would watch any lottery, anything. Any any envelope opening, I would watch. Um it's 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 just riveting television, and I don't understand why it is, because it seems like it'd be the most boring thing on earth. But like they went to commercial yeah. when the final four, but when there were four left. I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm almost falling off my couch. I'm I'm so enthralled by what's happening. It also had me locked in to the start locked of the Lakers in. game right yeah. after that. Like the, when they had that clock that they had to like plug in in the corner, yeah. like it was an AAU tournament or something. Like I was like, we got to get this going. Like my endorphins are high. I just watched yeah. like a guy's life change on, on live TV. I do the, wish it was more pageantry though. Like I wish that there was like a big wheel or like uh, the, uh, when Ewing... Do, got picked like it was like a bucket of, of things that's that why they the don't controversy do, stem from that's but. why they don't do it though i think i think it's because the ewing thing stern got so sensitive about that which yeah. i guess i guess i don't blame him the uh uh was that the, the clip the envelope hold on was that the clip when stern was on jim rome i think it was when uh <laughs> hang on <laughs> when did he ask him because of uh do you know about this that uh uh um yeah it was it was it was because of the lottery so do you know you know jim rome is yeah yeah so david stern went on jim rome's show like 10 years ago 15 years ago something like that and jim rome asked him do you still rig the nba draft lottery like just matter of fact as as yeah like it wasn't like has the lottery ever been rigged it's like we all know you rig it david we all know 1985 was rigged um do you continue to rig it and David Stern's reply was, do you still beat your wife? <laughs> and his whole point was like, how do you, how do you answer a question? Like, if, if, if you're starting from a, a statement of fact that is not a fact, like, how do I even answer a question when you say, did you still rig the lyric? Like, the, he was trying to, like, provide an example of, like, how absurd the question was. Yeah. <laughs> it's an all-time clip where, where Jim Rose just like, do you still rig the lottery? And the commissioner of the NBA goes, no, do you still beat your wife? <laughs> <laughs> It's like what, yeah. I forgot about that. I forgot about that. David Stern, man, Rockers legend. Oh man! Um, shout outs. I uh, uh, shout out to uh, Jeff D. Lowe and the dozen. I'm coming to. I'm coming to New York next week. We're we're. Uh, we're I, I I saw the bracket right before I sat down. Yeah. Um, where are you guys on the bracket? What team are you on again? The baddies, eight seed. And who's all who all is on your team? We played you guys one time and uh UFC uh, featherweight Paddy the Batty and yep. his producer Blaze. Okay. And you guys are the A seed. Correct. Um I'm on Team Smockin' uh with Ken Jack and, and Donnie, and we are the ten seed. We play your mom out of the gate, who is 
Who's on your mom again? Remind me. Jack McCarthy, KFC, and Rudy. Oh, that's them. Mm-hmm. Oh no. They're weird. They're, you got that's a good matchup. You guys are both very hot and cold teams. I would say. That's a, that feels that feels like a matchup that could have a lot of uh, facial hair, a lot of mustaches, a lot of oh, yeah. uh, a lot a lot of testosterone in that matchup. Um, the only reason I even knew the bracket was out is because Brandon texted me immediately and said, "I hope you're ready for round two. Or he's like, "You're definitely going down in round two if you if you make it past your mom." Um, so I get to play Brandon in round two, which is exactly where I want to be. Uh, all the pressure's on him. If yeah. if Brandon. If Brandon, if the experts don't win the tournament, it's it's got to be the most embarrassing. It, that, that's more embarrassing than anything we'll see in these NBA playoffs. It's, it's yeah, I don't. It's, I, it's all he lives for, and he's he's never won. And that that's he, he gets so in his head about things like this that I imagine he probably won't win for a while. One of the 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 second time I ever met Brandon, I was in New York for the tournament. Uh, Must have been last year. And uh, it was right before the championship, and uh, he's like pacing the halls, getting ready to play in the dozen championship. And I just, I just said to him, like I had met him when he they came out to L.A. Um, I went to the dozen thing in L.A., and that's when the first time I, I, I talked to Brandon for like ten seconds. And then I, I saw him in New York right before he's about to go play the championship. And I just said, "Hey, man, good to see you again." And he's like, "Oh, what's up, Titus?" And I was like, uh, "You about to? Are, are you, did you guys make the championships?" He's like, "Yeah, we're about to play." And I was like, "All right, well, good luck. Don't fuck this up." And then he just looked at me like I, like it just held a knife to his throat. And he's like, "Why would you say that?" And I was like, "I was, I, I don't know. I was just like messing around." And then, then the son of a bitch goes out and literally fucks it up, and <laughs> and they blew a big lead in the championship. <laughs> so. And I'm sure he resents you for that because he looks for anybody to blame for everything except himself. <laughs> I'm so excited. I hope we. I don't want to get too ahead of myself. Like I'm, I'm yeah. sure uh, KFC and Jack and and Rudy are probably going to be because that's that's how it always works. For the longest time, when I would play the dozen, uh, I I think I flew to New York. Oh, I flew. I I came to a live event in New York City, but then I also did the uh, uh, the tournament last year in New York, and I've always paid up my own way because I wasn't a barstool employee. And last year, last year for the tournament. Uh, I so Jeff was like, you got to block out three or four days. I forget how long. I think it was three, probably. Um, because if you keep winning, you're gonna we're gonna record throughout the week. Uh, so I planned this whole trip to New York for for a freaking week. Um, thinking like I got to leave the schedule open, and if we lose, I'll just do some fun things around the city or whatever. We were playing Uptown Balls, who ended up winning the whole damn thing. Um. Within the first three questions, I knew we were doomed. I, I flew all the way across the country on my own dime, and three three questions into the first round, I was like, "We're fucked. We're fucked. We, we lost all. Like we were down three zero to start." And I was like, "This is this is so stupid." So then I just like hung out in New York for the next five days with nothing to do. Um, it's nice that Barstool's paying for it this time. It's nice that I don't have to pay my own way this time. Oh, we didn't talk about Caleb Love. I forgot to I forgot to mention that I was gonna say I was shout out to Caleb Love for uh, not getting into Michigan. That's a wild story that uh, he uh, he 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 entered the portal, committed to Michigan. This has happened a few times. Terrence Shannon did this when he left uh, Texas Tech, and then he had to end up at Illinois. Nigel uh, uh, um, uh, Nigel Pack, Nigel Eastern. I mean, um, when he left Purdue, 
did something similar, but I think that might have been slightly different because I don't. I always got the sense that like Jawan Howard never actually asked Nojel Eastern to come to Michigan with that one. But um, th- this has happened a handful of times in Michigan. They can't get transfers eligible. Is this a good thing or a bad thing for Michigan? Because like I, I feel like weirdly. Mi- for this season, this is a very bad thing because I think Michigan basketball, and I don't even say this to troll them, I think they're going to be absolute dog shit this year, and they're in a really bad spot. Uh, but I feel like if there's one thing I know that Michigan people love doing is just having a sense of superiority and smelling their own farts, and I, I do feel like they're going to somehow spin this into, like, we are so great academically that we don't just... The, the reason our basketball team isn't as good is because... We have standards here at Michigan. Yeah. You have, have to be, to be a Mich- geniuses. Yeah. But yeah, you have to be a Michigan man to make it here at the University of Michigan. Never mind that our head coach struck a man and then was coaching two weeks later, um, and kind of undermined our whole thing about like you know <laughs> having a certain standard. Uh, but no, that's pretty crazy though. Like Michigan is obviously very hard to transfer to. That's something that I feel like nobody thinks about at all with the transfer portal but as it turns out there is the academic side of things that as a as a one-time transfer student i know the the rigors of uh going through that process but i i'll say two things one i think if it was a football transfer they would have found a way to get him on the team yeah but also big winner in this is duke i would say in the whole duke uncu rivalry they compare everything and yeah. duke's academics obviously better than north carolina's academics right a north carolina transfer can't get into a big 10 school right that michigan looked at caleb love's academic transcript and was like this is you wrote in crayon right yes i went to class that's not a transcript sir which I mean, I given given the you know the the academic scandal that North Carolina had, I don't think Duke needed any more ammo uh, to to point that out. But yeah, that, that that's pretty wild. But but also wherever he goes now is going to have to deal with that too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He might go to IU, dude. He might I'll go to Indiana. It. Indiana has. Indiana has a scholarship left, and they wanted him. Um, I think it, I, my understanding it was it was Indiana, Missouri, because he's from St. Louis. Uh, Indiana, Missouri, and Michigan were like the three. Um, so I guess you would assume it's it's Missouri and Indiana, but like the, that was then, and this is now. And I don't know how much has changed, and you know what what teams out there are desperate at this point in the in the portal cycle. Texas, Texas feels like a school where like Caleb Love would go to. I don't know why. It just like maybe just has like that Marcus Carr feel to him that like he would just like pop up and like. You're watching Big 12 basketball, and Caleb Love's averaging 19 a game for Texas now. Um, that feels right. I mean, there's I plenty know. of That's schools fair. that are that are going that are already reached out to him. Like he'll he'll be fine. Yeah. He's not. It's not like he's on the streets because he couldn't get into Michigan. Like it might end up but, looking but he bad is, for Michigan. But he is an interesting. He is an interesting guy because like he did like Carolina. He, he's he's hot and cold. Like he had one of the most inefficient seasons of all time this year for Carolina and Carolina was the number one team entering the season and they go to the NIT and he was the face of that and had to wear that and uh you know he was not the problem but he kind of became the scapegoat and that's why he transferred in the first place um but at the same time like how can you watch that run in the NCAA tournament and not like want a piece of this guy and say hell yeah we'll take a chance on him I don't know it's a, it's a fascinating deal because I think if, if he like commits like say to IU 
I feel like half the fan base is like, oh, fuck. Like, we were going to have a good team, and now we're screwed. And the other half is going to be like, that was the missing piece. Now we're winning the national championship, you know? <laughs> and that's what that's the Caleb Love experience. So I, I am curious to see, like, how he's definitely going to be desired, but, like, how badly and how, um, yeah, what, what 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 is this new recruitment going to look like, I wonder? I don't know. But shout out to Michigan for uh, still caring about academics, I guess. That's why that's why they're built different up there, the Michigan men. Um, I think you that's got, it. You got uh, you got second team all dozen, by the way. I don't know if you you might have missed that. We were talking about. Oh, Jeff. Before. Jeff said something about that. What? So what does that mean? Do I do I get to put that on my resume? I don't know if it's a if it pops up on on your name tag or your jersey or what. But first team all dozen was Kirk, Eddie, Clem, Fran, and redacted, and then second team starts <laughs> with you. So I oh I was higher than I was higher than Brandon then technically. Well, Brandon was the redacted. Yeah, so he but he, that's redacted. So he right. got he was he got zero votes. Yeah. So I I ended up I finished higher than Brandon on an individual level. Looking than he at does this graphic, this I don't see Brandon on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's my mm, face. And you're on it. You're like the How only you, person uh, on this graphic that did like a mean mug. Looks yeah, too. I did. I remember that that photo shoot. I did like a thousand pictures. Yeah, <laughs> I did. A, and at one point, they're like make a mean face, and I was like, all right. And I did that one time, and they took one picture, <laughs> and then that's the picture they've used ever since then. So, um, do, do, how do you how do you feel about your guys' chances? Um, I don't know. It's a tough draw. We play Uptown Balls in the first round. We're on the eight nine line, and yeah, they there's they, no they seed, so the eight nine plays yeah. the one. Oh, they so, yeah, the uptown balls, man. They they won it last year. They were they were tough. Yeah. They were tough. That's a tough tr- first round draw. But they like play themselves out of games pretty often. Like I feel like that's like a good first round matchup. And then if we win, we get the yak, who are co- would be coming off the bye. But we beat the yak this season. Yeah, and they're so, like, rusty. It's, it's not impossible. But I mean, there's no easy games in this league, you know. You you just have to the the key with the yak is just turn them on themselves. Yeah. And have them if you can get Dan like Che is just like locked in and and has that Che brain of his where he's like not going to get rattled. But if you can get Dan and Roan to a point where they just don't want to play anymore, and you just have to like play the psychological game. Yeah, we we tried it and we failed. We 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 were really close at the live show, um, and then it didn't work out for us in the end. But that we were on the right track. We were like the Lakers in Game One, where it was like, yes, we right. lost, but <laughs> we learned. We learned. <laughs> And next time, we, we have, have a disadvantage as a rookie team, too, because I've never played standing up. I've never played <laughs> next to Blaze. I've never played in a room with other people in it. Is Patty coming? No, he's is, getting married is, next week. Oh, really? If we make Chicago, he said he, his wife will let him go to Chicago, but he'll be the only person in the whole tournament on Zoom. Oh, damn. That sucks. We're playing on the rundown set. In front of like, so like in front of all of the content area, not in a studio this year. That's probably a smart move because last last year, yeah, everybody was cheating their balls off on the phone of friends, and they were everyone's just watching it and googling when they get called in, and yeah, yeah. That, so I, this I like year that. to be like, I point at Brandon, answer the question about a Texas Tech wide receiver from 2005. Oh, this is gonna be fun. I'm very this is excited. Be fun. We have nothing to lose. That's the great part about where we're at if it's the yeah. expert if the experts don't advance it's it's humiliating there's no other way around it i think they have to blow it up i think if they don't advance they have to I, they have to do something they have to blow up the whole team and 
and figure it out. But all right, um, fun show. Uh, we'll be back on uh, Tuesday in person. I'm coming to yeah. So that, that, that was part of the reason I brought up the dozen tournament is I'm, I'm coming to New York next week. So we'll be doing shows uh, in studio again, and that'll be fun. I miss I miss doing that. I miss uh, the early st- when we launched this thing, and I was just like. It was such a fucking whirlwind being in there and doing shows at 4 a.m. It felt like after it's a tournament games. So we'll get a little taste of that. I'll be back in New York and uh, we'll have some fun next week. So Can I just make one more point of hate before you sign off? Please. Fuck you to the Overwatch 2 developers. What happened? They just wasted four years of their fans' time, basically, in one day. What, the, what happened? Elaborate. Like they four years ago, they announced Overwatch Two would be coming out, and it would be like Overwatch is like a it was a six on yeah. six like shooter basically, and they said Overwatch Two is going to come out because their stock was plummeting and they had to do something, and they said it would be a completely different game, and then they basically didn't say anything for two years, and then they released like Overwatch Two, which was basically just a like a small update to Overwatch One that they changed a few things and said the rest of it's coming. Don't worry, like the major changes are coming, and. Uh, Two years later, we get to uh, yesterday where they said, yeah, we canceled it. So, Oh, my God. So all these people that have been holding on to PvE coming to Overwatch 2 someday. Dude, number years, one. They're just number, like, nah. number one on the fraud power rankings. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Thanks for nothing, losers. Losers. Nerds. Uh, all right, uh, five people that listen to this show will be like, "Oh yes, yes." But no, you'd be surprised, dude. When I when I went on my rant last week about the Fort Wayne Mad Ants, I've, I've never had more people reach out to me about something than that. I had so many people that are like, "Dude, thank you for ripping on Hamilton County, Indiana," and I had people who are like, "I'm from Fort Wayne, born and raised," and like, "I'm weirdly sad about this." Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I talked about the Trenton Thunder getting disbanded by the Yankees like four years ago on the short porch. Similar similar reaction. It's the the, the, the the damnedest things will surprise you. you, you so, so sometimes that's why I love doing off season shows because um, you just start talking about like the wildest shit and like for some reason people love that more than <laughs> they come for the uh, they come for my NCAA tournament bracket picks and then once they realize that my bracket picks stink they stick around to hear me slander Noblesville Indiana. That's how it works. That's how you can when, when it works out that way you got a podcast TJ. Um, All right, see everybody on Tuesday uh, from New York City. Enjoy the weekend, everybody.